Hello and welcome to the Built Around You podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you build, renovate or upgrade your home. Why is building a home so complex and stressful? Why do building projects run over time and budget? Welcome to the podcast Built Around You. So today's podcast is a Q&A. Today we're talking about the walls of your house, the external frame. So whether you're using traditional um, old style masonry, uh, you're using timber frame, you're using ICF or another type of structure, Today, we'll be answering your questions. So these questions come from Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Kieran KMC. If you have any questions, please follow me. I regularly answer questions even during the week. Um, so uh, all your building questions can be answered uh, on Instagram or indeed in this podcast. So uh, first question today is from Ash McGavin. Um, what type of wall is better and more cost effective to build? Uh Back of the envelope answer, the most cost effective wall to build is a blockwork wall. So 100 mil blockwork on the inner leaf, 100 mil blockwork on the external leaf. Uh, Now that can change a little bit if you're putting in precast concrete slabs in the first floor. Occasionally you may need to go to 150 mil on the inner leaf. Um, On an unusual situation you might even have to go to 215 mil on the inner leaf or even on the internal walls. But that varies wildly on the spans, on the load, on the type of screed you're using and 101 other different uh, loading factors on um, on the first floor. But uh, but but the, to answer your question, the most cost effective wall is actually a block outer leaf and a block inner leaf. And I probably pump the cavities. You're probably looking at a 180 mil wide cavity, maybe a 200 mil wide cavity. Now, that's grand on a flat site. Uh, if you're on a sloped site, you could be looking at retaining walls. You could be looking at retaining walls in the house. If your house needs to retain, uh, depending on the site, depending on the complexity, depending on the slope, uh, you uh, it may be more cost effective to use um, to use a product called ICF, insulated concrete uh, forms, uh, which have an inherent um, load bearing capacity. They can work as retaining walls. So it rather than having to make your blockwork walls retaining or adding even uh, reinforced concrete walls to your blockwork walls and getting more expensive again, in that particular instance, it may be more cost effective to use ICF. But typically, I do find ICF costs a little bit more than blockwork uh, on on a normal uh, uh, application in a normal um, non-sloped or flat site. Um, Of course, we know about timber frame. Timber frame costs a little bit more than block work, in my view, uh, and I've checked it. um, But of course, it had the benefits of uh, being quicker to get the frame up and dried. A little bit quicker overall on the build, to be fair. Um, and a little bit uh, simpler if you're doing a self-build because a lot of the, the frame arrives in one go. So it helps you with your setting out and detailing a little bit. Um, but to uh, definitely, in my view, the most cost-effective is block inner leaf, pump cavity and block outer leaf. And so the next question comes from self-build first-timer. Would love if you could briefly run through how to underpin walls, please. Uh, okay, well, if you're a self-built first-timer, you're certainly getting into a fairly complicated project if you're having to upskill your uh, knowledge in how to underpin a wall. Uh, I'm assuming you've netted a bargain um, in your in buying an old house, or I hope you knew about it before you bought the house. 
Um, okay, the, the, what you're doing when you're underpinning a wall, I mean, I suppose, look, let's take it back a step. Why do you have to underpin a wall? Generally, the reason is the ground under that wall isn't strong enough. It may be that the wall wasn't built on particularly good ground day one, although that's quite rare. Um, or it could be that a leaking sewer, generally a foul sewer, has leaked, probably an old clay system has leaked, and uh, and now all the ground underneath, uh, locally around the, underneath your wall, has begun to uh, to degrade and it hasn't has lost its bearing capacity. So what you need to do is you need to reinstate the strength of the ground, and then you can repair your wall. So, uh, so there's a variety of ways to do this. You can inject it with grout. That's generally done by a specialist uh, underpinning contractor. They'll drill into the ground and they'll inject it with uh, cementitious grout. So basically, they're re-injecting strength um, with a with a with a cementitious slurry. So they're putting it's it's like concrete. It effectively, is um, a kind of very watered version of concrete. And um, they're re-injecting that into the ground to to create new strength in the ground that had lost its strength. Um, that's one way of doing it. Another option is to, um, which I've, I've, we've done ourselves, uh, is to dig down and uh, take away sections of the ground, uh, kind of a hit and miss. So you're taking away, um, like if you're, you might be taking away section one, section three, and section five uh, of the ground, um, rebuilding in concrete or, or blocks. Uh, on concrete depending on the depth uh, and then uh, going into the two four and six sectors uh, if you follow my logic here or my analogy and you're reinserting the uh, the strength into those intermittent pieces so it's a kind of a step-by-step -step, uh, kind of um, approach here where you're 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 taking out the old ground and putting in new new concrete blocks and foundations um, that will do it as well uh, once you have uh, underpinned it, of course, um, you once you once the ground is strong enough and has been reinstated with the new the new strength, uh, irrespective of how you do it, uh, you're back down to the wall. Now the wall will eventually settle back into this new foundation, the new stronger ground, and it's more into repairing the wall. So you might wait typically about six uh, plus months. And, uh, and crack repair your wall. So plaster it on the outside, plaster it on the inside, maybe reseal around the window if anything's moved around there and, and, and you're done. But uh, the, the important is like, don't just uh, repair the crack straight away because the, the wall will still settle into new foundations um, locally. So, uh, so well worth remembering that. And so the next question is from Kean W. Uh, can a timber frame walls be just as good as cavity block walls for holding heat? Can an A2 be possible? Uh, to answer your question, 100% they can. Um, timber frame the, the timber frame and block work um, deal with heat in slightly different ways in that you have a lot more uh, thermal mass in block work. So if you insulate the cavity of a blockwork wall, you still have your blockwork on the inside and you have your blockwork on the outside, which you're, you're, you're insulating the cavity. So when you turn on your heating, you're heating the inner block because it's still inside the house um, and it's inside your thermal envelope because your envelope is in the middle of the wall. So your inner wall uh, takes a while to heat, but it, it has a thing then called thermal mass. So if you turn off your heating, it'll hold the heat because of the, um, the density of the wall. 
uh, when you have a timber frame structure, you're largely uh, insulating between your uh, your the studs of your external wall, and you're also dry lining the wall. So you have another bit of insulation on the inside, and you often dry line the wall depending on exactly how the design was done, so that you are insulating over the uh, the thermal bridging aspects of your timber frames. Now, some timber frame companies design it a little bit differently, and they use a different a few different parameters they can get over that, but but uh, um, that that's often how it's done. Uh, now the issue there is the house will heat quicker um, because you don't have any thermal mass to heat before you get your outer insulation level, like you do on block work. Uh, but it'll also lose heat a little bit quicker because you don't have the thermal mass, you don't have the heat store in your house. Uh, that's a little bit of a, an introduction to all this. But to answer your question, can you get an A2 with a with a timber frame house? A hundred percent, you can. You can get an A1 with a timber frame house. You can you can build a passive house out of a timber frame house. Um, like none of these uh, methods can be used unless they all comply with building regulations and, and unless they can all achieve the same um, U values and, and, and thereby the same um, energy ratings at the end of the day. So where they use timber frame or block work or even a passive house, it doesn't matter. They will all do the same things. They'll all effectively get you from A to B. They just do it differently. And there are pros and cons using different ones. So you'll always be able to achieve the same thing, but it might cost more or it might act a little bit differently or it might it might hold heat longer or lose heat a little bit quicker or heat up quicker uh, depending on the thermal mass side of it so there are pros and cons but definitely you can do the same thing with all different types of frames um, particularly block work and timber frame as, as you asked so the next question is from Clundenair self-build um, overall which is considered the best method for building walls block timber ICF etc uh, we've answered this question a little bit already. Um, I, I don't think there's any best. Like, I mean, I build eight to ten houses a year. I generally use block work because it is the most cost effective in the general scheme of things, unless I need to use uh, retaining walls. Um, because we are a building contractor and we have plenty of experience in building houses um, and we're set up for masonry, um, block laying is the most cost effective uh, solution and we can offer it most cost effectively to our clients. And I do find that a lot of clients are reasonably traditional in that they just like block work. Um, but that's not always to say it's the best thing. I mean, I built my own house last year. We renovated a house. Um, it was a, an old bungalow, dormer bungalow type house. And um, it was block work on the ground floor. So we extended a little bit on the ground floor and we kept good block work, block work because uh, because we were just using the same type of um, external frame that had already been used. So for continuity, we kept with block work. On the first floor, it was it was getting quite complex. And uh, due to the, the, the nature of the site, it was going to be very hard to, to physically get blocks up onto the first floor. We were also under a little bit of time pressure because we had to move into our house at a certain time. So I needed to make some time savings. Um, and the we also need a kind of more the lightweight dynamic aspect of timber frame. So we actually have block work and timber frame on our house. Um, so it added a bit more complexity when it turned to when it 
came to um, insulating the house and when it come when it came to doing the BER assessment because we had to kind of break it out into different sections. Uh, so ideally, it, it's not the most ideal way of doing it. And uh, and my wife wasn't over the keen because we're on quite an exposed site and she always had a little bit of concern about wind and timber frame. But we've been severely tested over two winters now and it's been perfectly fine. Uh, although it does uh, my it does keep me up a little bit at night when I hear the heavy winds coming at us. But um, they're like I do find 70, 80 percent of the time I would automatically default to block work. Um, if I was a self builder and I really wanted something done quickly and I had something that didn't require me having a load of plant on site, I mean, for example, as a builder, we have a load all which is a, teles- a telescopic um, forklift on site to lift up blocks and uh, block layers are hard to deal with as well, masons, because uh, they need certain, they need dry weather, a reasonably dry weather. Then, you know, when you're dealing with mortar, it's a wet trade, you need reasonably, you can only work in certain temperatures because, um, you know, the, the, if the temperature gets too low, you're starting to come into difficulty with, uh, with mortar. And you've an awful lot of work in servicing masons because you have to bring them insulation the whole time. You've got to bring them ties. You've got to bring them blocks. You've got to bring be there when the block lorry arrives. You've got to be there when the mortar arrives. Um, so there's an awful lot of work and an awful lot of measuring and setting out and checking through drawings and everything else and all your DPCs and trays and everything else. An awful lot of complexity there, which, of course, you don't have with timber frame. Timber frame, it's all detailed off-site. There's a warranty for the frame. There's a warranty for all the detailing of the frame. It arrives in a week or two. You have your frame up. Um, if you get the windows ordered as soon as you are ordering your frame, you can have the windows in a week later and you can get the timber frame coming to batten and felt your roof and all. So you can be dried in in a matter of a few weeks from your floor slab pour. Uh, and there's a huge benefit to that because straight away you can start thinking about your plumbing and your electrical work. All your internal walls are in place if they're all uh, timber frame, which likely they are. So an awful lot of the head scratching is done by the time the timber frame is up. Um, so there's a huge benefit there for the self-builder because um, it just makes it a lot easier because you, you, you're you kind of moving away from the drawings quite quickly because when the whole 3D model is up on site through the timber frame, uh, that makes life an awful lot easier. Um, and it can speed up your program if, you, if, you're, if you're on the ball with ordering windows and getting your plumber and electrician ready and your plaster ready. Um, and of course, with the timber frame company, you can get your plaster boards delivered and craned into site when they're craning in everything else into a window open your bedrooms and things. So you've all your plaster board upstairs. So again, it makes it a little bit easier. But I do find timber frame costs a little bit more. Uh, when it comes to ICF, I remember a project we did years ago. Um, very tricky site, very slope site. And funny enough, we could only access access it from the top down. So we brought diggers down. We dug away the bank. Uh, so then we had a steep drop into the site, very hard to get materials there. We weren't going to be able to get blocks down there in any great quantity, only by hand. Uh, and it, we, we ended up with a very complex situation. Um, uh, I remember we used ICF for a significant portion of the project uh, because it was all retaining. And the only way of getting all the ICF walls down there was walking them down by hand, which is very easy with ICF because it, these are lightweight blocks very easy to, to lift because they're insulation on the inside insulation on the outside and we're able to pump concrete down into them so they worked very well and they were also retaining and um, that's the benefit ICF uh, it has retaining uh, uh, um, aspect and it's also an insulating aspect 
and we were able to get a, a specialist contractor to do it. Uh, and we also managed to get a, a level of timber frame down because the front of the building didn't need to be retaining. Uh, so we got a timber frame built in, in place as well. So we had little enough block work, uh, thankfully, because it was a very complex build. Um, so it, it worked very well. Um, so a, again, this was a very non-standard site. So ICF was ideal and we had a portion timber frame as well, as I said. So, I mean, I, in a million years, I wouldn't use blocked on, blocks on that site because half the project would have been handballing concrete blocks down there. Um, and I think Masons probably wouldn't have worked on it um, because it was so complex. So the access makes a huge difference to complexity of site. So these are very simple questions, but they, they don't have simple answers because there aren't simple answers. I mean, every project is different. Every house is different. Every site is different. Every project manager's experience, whether you're a self-builder or our experienced contractor, is different. So um, And every budget is different. Uh, so so the, the, there's no simple question, uh, no simple answer to, the, to this question. Um, the back of the envelope answer is block, but then it depends on your site and depends on you and your house. Hi, Kieran. I'm looking to build a cheap rental property. Uh, what is the cheapest form of building? Um, I'm hoping this isn't from one of the vulture funds that we're all trying to avoid coming in and, and destroying our rental uh, market. Um Okay, back of the envelope answer. If you want to know what's the cheapest way to build a house, um, think of what affects a house. I mean, what affects a house is the scope of works, uh, the um, the complexity of a project and the size of a project. So if you're building a cheap rental property, I'm sure you've worked out the size that works best for you in terms of the amount of bedrooms and everything else. So look, I presume you're keeping the, the size at a, at a reasonable size that works for you. Um, the complexity of the house, you're, you don't want complexity if you want a cheap house. Um, the cheapest house you'll build is a square or a rectangle. So don't get into L's, don't get into T's, don't get into U's, don't get into H-shaped houses. So forget all your, that. Your floor plan is going to look like a matchbox on its side. Um, the cheapest roof you'll use is an A roof, uh, probably trust with a tile on the roof. Um, PVC fascian soffit, double glaze, PVC windows, sand cement render on the outside. Uh, you're probably pumping your cavity, um, and you have a timber joist floor on the first floor and a concrete floor on the ground floor. Uh, in terms of the external envelope, uh, I would be using block work. Again, I'm assuming a flat site. Uh, if you're building a cheap site, if you're building a cheap house, you need a flat site because the last thing you want to do is get into complexity on the site. Um, so I would be using block on the inner leaf, pumped cavity, block on the outer leaf, um, and keeping it very straightforward. And that will give you a cheap house. I can't guarantee it'll give you a great house, but again, you're into the rental market. So look, you're probably just putting all this on a spreadsheet and hoping something, a nice magical figure arrives at the end for you. But, uh, but that is probably the most cheap house you, 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 you'll build. Um, I mean, look at the best best way to look, I mean, look at developers. Um, they build loads of houses that are exactly the same and they're very straightforward shape. That's because uh, it costs less to do um, and they can sell them at a reasonable price. And if someone wants to build on a fancy extension, they can do that um, afterwards at, at their own expense. Um, developers are using a little bit of timber frame now, I've noticed uh, in the last few years because I suppose they get things done quicker and they have interest roll-ups on their loans and everything else and they can get their loans repaid quicker because they can get the houses sold quicker. Uh, so even though it's costing them a little bit more, I would have thought, unless they're getting a great deal in bulk from the timber frame company, and maybe they are, um, it means they get their loans repaid quicker so they're paying less interest so they're probably balancing the books there and I'm sure they are. 
Um, but for a one-off builder, I would have thought if you're up for the challenge and you're set up for it on site, then uh, then block work is probably the option for you. So the next question is from Frank Bergen, uh, a 1970s bungalow, block walls, building an extension. What would you recommend? Uh, funnily enough, um, it brings me back a little bit to uh, uh, something that was on in the Irish Examiner recently. I remember I got married in the year 2006 and at the time we were renovating and extending not a 1970s bungalow, but, but a 1980s drama bungalow. And uh, there was a, an architect in Cork designed the extension of a very contemporary extension. It was the very beginning of when people started to build extensions that were that looked nothing like the house. So this was a really radical extension. It had Valencia slate on the ground floor. It had zinc on the first floor. It had a steel structure with glazing on three sides out one side. And it had um, cedar box out on another side. Uh, and it had a cedar louvered monodirectional window. So, I mean, it, it was ticking all the boxes um, in terms of complexity, in terms of uh, expense uh, and in terms of architecture and feature. Uh, none of this was block work, a little bit of block work behind the, uh, the uh, Valencia slate, but the rest of it was timber frame and steel frame and, and glass. Uh, so none of this extension was, none of these series of extensions were made to look anything like the existing house. Um, and in fact, they were they were there to compete with the existing house and add architecture to a house that had little or none at the time. Um, but people have moved away a little bit from that now. Um, I suppose uh, I like to wear a variety of different hats um, in, in my role. I'm, sometimes I have to kind of lean into the architectural field, the engineering field, the quantity surveying field, the building field. Um, as an architect, you might look to make a statement with your extension if you have the budget for that, because it's, it's a discretionary spend. In that case, you might be heading down the road of using more of a timber frame because it's a bit more dynamic in many cases with block work than block work, and you can get a bit more contemporary in your design. The builder in me would like to see you use uh, a very similar setup to the existing house. So the existing house is block, I would use block. Um, if you find yourself leaning towards externally insulating the existing house, you could use a, a six inch block or maybe a block on flat on your extension so that you can externally insulate the extension just so that you have one consistent um, insulation throughout the house um, on the ground floor particularly. And that's what I did in my own house there. I said we built on a series of extensions there last year. And we, the existing house was an old, um, kind of a funny setup, actually. They, the, the house is down near the coast, so uh, the existing blocks, it was built in the 1950s, the existing blocks were built from sea sand, as, as I understand it. Um, so we actually use a kind of a block on flash um, system for the extensions because I wanted to keep the external insulation running out over the extensions and the existing house just so I wouldn't have any thermal bridging um, issues or detailing issues because I had one continuous wrap. Um, but that's just this extension. Um, it, it would be slightly more cost effective to actually pump the cavities of the extension um, if it's a big extension because external insulation whereas it's a great way to insulate the outside of the building get a lovely acrylic render finish on the outside as well which looks looks great and it's pre-coloured and very robust uh, it is the most expensive way to insulate your building as well um, but it has the benefits of your um, of your your um, 
your dew point on the outside so you don't get condensation issues because the wind blows off the condensation. Um, it also, having block work on your on your extension will also mean that uh, you know, structurally it's very similar to the existing house. So there were kind of, there were fringe benefits to all that. But in truth, you could use timber frame, no problem. You could use steel frame, no problem. It's just a little bit simpler if you stick with the existing structure, which is block work, as you say. And so our last question today is a real blue sky, um, a blue sky type question. If you were personally building a home for yourself, what wall structure would you use and why? Um, OK, so was to make this a little bit more blue sky again, let's just pretend there's no budget. Right. Um, and I can guarantee you if I was personally building a home for myself, there would be a budget. But supposing there wasn't. Um, and let's just open it out a little bit to give you a little bit more of a sense of the options here or why you might do certain things. Um, I suppose if I was building a house for myself from scratch, which I might add, I've, I've never actually done. Um, I've always ended up reno renovating a house more just because that's kind of where the locations worked and uh, because it's harder to get a new house in a really good location because the, all the good locations have been built on and those that haven't you won't get planning on because they're kind of protected now by the local councils. Um, if you're building a house from scratch there's a few ways of looking at this I mean the the I suppose the cleanest way of insulating uh, a wall is to uh, externally insulate it. Now, as I said before, it's the most expensive way to insulate a wall, but it is the cleanest way to insulate the wall. Um, and when it's finished, it looks lovely because you've you've your um, acrylic render on the outside. But it is also the most expensive way to insulate your wall. But it also means you're looking at a block on flat, or maybe even a six-inch block um, single-leaf wall. Um, which is going to throw up a few interesting details around your windows and um, and, and, and structures like that. And your, your, your heads above your windows will want to be wider. They'll either be six inch or, or eight inch heads. So it throws up a few kind of unusual details. But the walls are stronger because you can put kind of precast concrete slabs on the first floor without any difficulty on a six inch or a, or a 215 mil wall. So it gives benefits that way. Now, if I was building a house and I'm trying to picture what kind of house I'd build, but it definitely wouldn't be one big square of a house. So I'd probably have it broken up a little bit. I'd probably have a steel structure up on the first floor somewhere because the first floor and the ground floor would be two different things. I mean, if you, uh, someone told me before, the, 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 the best way to design a house is design your ground floor and wrap it up. Design your first floor and wrap it up. So uh, when I say wrap it up, I mean just draw out the rooms that you want, um, orientate them the way you want them orientated. So your living space is facing south, your front door consequently is probably facing north and your other rooms then are kind of a variety of this. Your, your, um, your utility room might be on the east and your living room with the lovely evening sun might be on the west. Uh, your first floor then, you would typically have your bedrooms uh, facing east, south and west, but not north. And you have as little as windows as you can on the uh, on the north. So so your first floor and ground floor, because they're two very different floors doing two very different things, um, 
will be a very different shape. Uh, where am I going with all this? You might ask. And uh, the reason is uh, the reason I'm saying all this is because uh, your ground floor and your first floor will be two very different shapes. So structurally, they'll sit on each other two diff- very different ways. It's not like a square house where the ground floor and the first floor are sitting neatly on top of each other. You might have overhangs. You might have flat roofs. Uh, you might have roof gardens or balconies or verandas or what have you so you're getting complex uh, you're getting a a complex structural arrangement in which case you're putting a lot of steel into your building in that particular instance I'd probably even lean a bit more towards a timber frame structure in that particular instance because it's just getting a little bit easier to build the builder in me um, and a little bit quicker but if expense was no was no object and the timescale was no object then it could very well be block work and uh, and external insulation i've seen that we built a house years ago um there was a very there was a, a strong budget for the house so to speak and even though they could have saved money with the uh, block work inner leaf block work out leaf pump the cavity or use rigid insulation they went with the external insulation and the uh, and the block on flat I remember looking at the amount of blocks that were being laid. It was frightening. I mean, you, 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 when you see mason build block on edge, every time you lay a block, you're uh, you're 215 mil higher. When you're uh, laying a block on flat, every time you lay a block, you're only going up 100 odd mil. So it, it, it goes up at half the speed and the amount of truckloads of blocks that arrive on site is frightening. Um, it seems a bit over the top to me. Um, but it does give the benefit of the external insulation on the outside, the, the additional structural strength. Um, I don't know. I, if it was me, I don't know if I could actually stomach having that much block on flat on a house, uh, truthfully. Um, so maybe maybe I'd, I'd probably do a little bit of timber frame. Um, so a very hard question to answer, and I may not have answered it, but they are, they are my thoughts, um, funny and all as they may be. So that is the end of this particular podcast. Uh, I hope it's been of value to you as you consider the walls of your house, the frame of your house, uh, be, it, uh, be it masonry, block work, uh, be it ICF, be it timber frame, our, our steel frame or a variety of other products that are available now as well. Um, and, and, and there's all different ways of cladding these walls, as we know as well. Um, I hope this has been of value to you. If you're at that stage in your in your project, I hope you've learned a little bit from today's episode. If you have any further questions, be sure to send them in to me um, at Kieran KMC on Instagram. Um, I answer questions regularly or as regularly as I possibly can. Uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, please, please leave us a star rating um, wherever you listen to your podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify. Of course, we're on the Built Around You YouTube channel for the video version of this of this podcast. So I hope you found this podcast uh, of value. I hope you learned a little bit about uh, about walls. Um, and don't forget, we release these podcasts every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. So until next Sunday at 8 p.m., see you then. 